4: It was like something was sucking the life out of me. Nature's deadliest
3: organisms.
2: It felt like I had swallowed a bee and it just kept stinging and stinging and stinging.
3: They hijack our bodies. Felt like something was just gnawing at me. Disable our immune systems.
6: This monster tricks the body into thinking it's not even there. And eat us from within.
5: As a nurse, you listen to your doctors. As a mom, I should have listened to my daughter.
3: For those infected, they are the Monsters Inside Me. Melinda and Aaron Muldy live in the small town of Brantford, Ontario.
7: What first attracted me to Melinda was her, her outgoing personality. Um, she was really bubbly. A cute little thing.
2: Aaron is a quiet guy, but funny when he wants to be. (laughs) Has a crazy, wicked laugh. He's a great guy. I mean, I've been with him for 19 years, so he better be good.
3: (laughs) Aaron is a welder. Melinda juggles work as a medical researcher while homeschooling the couple's four children.
2: My oldest son, Austin, is 18. Nicole is 16.
7: Violet is 12 and Sloane is 10.
2: We're a very close family. We just like just spending
7: time together. We love to spend time outside. And in the summertime, we love barbecuing, getting together with with friends. It's our favorite time of the year.
3: But this tight-knit family's love for each other is about to be put to the test. One warm day in May, Melinda and Aaron are relaxing at a cookout with friends.
7: It was a beautiful barbecue. We were making burgers and, and, you know, just laughing. So I swallowed the last piece of burger,
2: and then I felt this very strange feeling in my throat. It just kind of felt like something was tickling, and it was just something was there. The burger was made with rosemary, so maybe it was a little piece of the rosemary that was caught in my throat.
3: But minutes later, the tickle in Melinda's throat is met with a new sensation.
2: I felt like I was going to throw up, so I ran to the bathroom. When I got into the bathroom, everything was coming up. It just pinched and pulled. I didn't know what was going on, but I knew we really had to get home.
3: Outside, Melinda tells Aaron she's been sick and needs to leave the party.
7: She just looked unpleasant. Maybe she ate something that disagreed with her. Who knows what it was, but you know what? She'll get a good night's sleep. She'll feel fine. By the
3: next morning, Melinda's nausea has passed, and she's left with only a sore throat.
2: I thought because of all the throwing up I had done, I really scratched everything inside. But I didn't feel like I wanted to throw up anymore.
3: With a busy day ahead of her, Melinda is relieved.
2: That morning, we had a religious service. So I was getting ready for that, trying not to think about it.
3: But during the service, Melinda discovers this respite is short-lived.
2: I went to turn to say something to Aaron. And all of a sudden, I felt this really sharp pinching in my throat. It felt like I had swallowed a bee, and it just kept stinging and stinging and stinging. I told Aaron, I'm sorry, I can't do it. We, We have to go home. We have to go home right now. So we left.
3: Back at the house, Melinda heads straight to the bedroom to lie down. Aaron is due to go biking with friends that afternoon. But now, given his wife's condition, he offers to cancel.
2: But I knew Aaron really wanted to go on this mountain biking. So I told Aaron, don't worry, don't worry. I just irritated my stomach and everything would be okay.
7: I thought, that's probably all she needs. It was something she ate. So a little bit of rest and she will be fine. So uh, I got changed, grabbed a bike, and I went out riding for a couple hours.
3: But to her horror, soon after Aaron leaves, Melinda begins to feel nauseous again. Only this time, there's an alarming development.
2: I started throwing up blood. I have never thrown up blood in my life. This was the first time. It was terrifying. Every bad, worst-case scenario started running through my head. Thought so i tore my esophagus. I've torn something in my stomach.
3: Panicked, Melinda calls out for her eldest son, Austin, to take her to the hospital. On the way, she leaves a message for Aaron, letting him know what happened. In the ER, Melinda describes her symptoms.
2: So they did an x-ray of my jaw and my throat. But when the x-ray came back, it didn't show anything.
3: Fortunately, by this time, Aaron has gotten word and rushed to Melinda's bedside.
7: It's like, oh, I feel like such a schmuck. Here I am. I'm out having fun, and my son takes her to the hospital. Aaron stayed by
2: my side. That made me feel better. I wanted him just to hold my hand and say, it's going to be okay.
3: But doctors are mystified as to what could be causing Melinda's pain. For the next three days, Melinda remains in the hospital, where the medical team continues to examine her case.
2: But every test was coming back normal. And my throat just kept getting worse. Breathing was really hard, and everything hurt on me. You know, every bad thing was running through my head. I have cancer, to I'm gonna die.
7: I tried very hard to, to stay positive, but things are going downhill quickly now and still no answers.
3: With the pain in Melinda's throat worsening, Doctors decide to re-examine the area with a more detailed procedure.
2: They didn't see anything from an x-ray. So the doctor ordered a CAT scan. And they found something in my throat. And it looked just like a small, thin shadow. They weren't sure what it was.
3: For five days, Melinda Moldy has been suffering with debilitating pain in her throat. Now, after conducting a CAT scan, doctors have spotted a foreign object lodged deep inside.
2: They didn't actually know what it was, so they passed the case on to a specialist.
3: Dr. Natasha Cohen is part of the medical team that takes up Melinda's case.
8: So when I looked at Melinda's CAT scan, I saw at the back of her tongue inside her throat, that Melinda had a foreign object uh, that was about one to one and a half centimeters.
6: Of all the foreign objects accidentally swallowed every year, about 80% will pass through the digestive system causing little or no harm. But if an object gets lodged in an organ, the consequences can be far more severe. Every year in the United States, roughly 1,500 people die as the result of ingesting a foreign object.
3: Although the object is visible in the CAT scan, Dr. Cohen explains to Melinda that because it is so thin, it was never picked up by the x-ray.
2: The doctor then looked at me and said that the only way that this was going to be removed was through surgery, and I needed it done right away.
8: If this wasn't removed today, Melinda could be in a lot of danger. It could eventually cause obstruction of her airway and lead to death.
3: As doctors prepare her for the delicate surgery, Melinda braces for the risks.
2: Broken teeth, uh, cut lips, uh, never talk again, dying. The list just kept going on. I was beyond scared. Um,
7: it was, see, I didn't want to cry. <sighs> I can't even begin to imagine what my life would be like without Melinda.
3: In the operating room, Dr. Cohen struggles to locate the object inside Melinda's throat.
8: So my concern at that point was that we were going to have to take more extreme measures, cutting out part of the base of her tongue or potentially have to open her neck to take the object out. And then I caught the glimpse of the tip of the object. I asked for a clamp and pulled it straight out. It was dark gray, really thin, and uh, it was quite sharp. Melinda had a one-inch piece of metal wire stuck in the base of her tongue.
3: Later, when Melinda wakes up back in her hospital room, Dr. Cohen reveals what had caused her so much pain.
7: This is crazy. I just can't help but think, like, how did that get in your throat?
3: Inside Melinda's throat... The wire was lodged near the base of her tongue. When she moved, the object pierced her tonsils, producing blood in her vomit. It also triggered her gag reflex, resulting in her feelings of nausea. After examining the wire closely, Melinda and Aaron realize what it is.
2: We were at the barbecue, and I felt that prick in my throat. And at that time, I thought it was a piece of rosemary when I had the burger but I had a wire bristle from a grill brush in my throat.
6: One study estimated that on average, every year, there are over 100 grill brush injuries reported in emergency departments nationwide. An ingested wire bristle can tear a hole in the throat, but if it passes further down the digestive tract, it can perforate the intestine or even migrate to the liver, both of which can lead to life-threatening injuries. Today, Melinda has made a full recovery.
2: I feel fine, I feel back to normal, and we do still barbecue. We're just a little bit more cautious now.
7: We're no longer allowed to use wire bristle brushes on our barbecues.
6: Medical experts recommend cleaning your grill with a plastic scraper or a pumice stone. You can even scrub it down with half an onion. But if your grill's been cleaned with a wire brush, It should then be wiped down thoroughly with a cloth to remove any stray bristles. While some
3: monsters strike in our backyards, others lurk in far more remote parts of the world.
4: I was thinking, this is bad. This is really bad. This can go south real quick.
3: Mark and Janina Ward live near the city of Prescott, Arizona. Mark is a retired firefighter, and Janina is studying holistic medicine.
4: Mark is very hardcore, very masculine, but internally he's very sensitive. He's very loyal. Janina, she is,
9: in my opinion, gorgeous. And
4: she's caring. She likes to help people.
3: Mark and Janina share a love of the outdoors.
4: Mark and I have always liked going hiking and camping and anything adventuresome.
3: One of their most daring achievements was buying a remote cabin in the jungles of Belize, where they spend half the year.
4: It's pretty much
3: middle of nowhere.
4: I love the lifestyle. You can think about being in the moment. And I absolutely love the jungle.
3: But the couple's love of nature has come at a heavy price. One March morning, Mark is in their cabin in Belize getting dressed when something catches his eye.
9: I notice little purple dots on my hands
3: and a few on my legs, back of my arms. In total, Mark counts 28 bumps. They were
9: really tiny, about the size of a head on a pin. Didn't really think a whole lot of it. You get bug
3: bites and bullies all the time. When Janina sees the spots, she advises Mark to keep them clean.
4: My first thought was that it's a mosquito bite, it got infected.
3: So over the next few days, Mark sterilizes the bites with hydrogen peroxide. But they only grow in size.
9: A few were the size of a pencil eraser. And then others,
4: size of a nickel.
3: Frustrated, Mark asks around, and a local tells him about a natural remedy.
4: I recall Mark showing him the sores, and he says, oh yeah, you'll get the, the cirrhosis berry. You'd
9: crush them up and, and rub it on there, and it would soothe the pain. I figured this is the answer to the, to get
3: rid of it. Over the next few days, Janina helps apply the berry mixture to the bumps on Mark's skin, with surprising results.
4: It seemed like it halted the growth.
3: But by the end of the week, Mark has depleted his supply of berries and is unable to find more.
9: And that's when they got a lot more painful and they got bigger.
4: I believe they were about the size of quarters. Whatever progress we had made with the berries was obviously lost at that point.
3: And then, one morning during breakfast, Janina notices a change in Mark's behavior.
4: He was just very lethargic. Just like something was sucking the life out of him.
3: Worried that the spots are now affecting his health, Janina urges Mark to get them examined. But he brushes off the idea and heads outside to finish some chores.
4: Mark is a very proud person and he doesn't like to ask for help. And he is extremely stubborn.
9: She did tell me to relax, take it easy. I thought I could still do the stuff that I needed to do.
3: But that afternoon, while Mark is trying to fix a rundown car, something doesn't feel right.
9: I couldn't close my hands. And when he went to grab something, it was just painful. At that point, the bites had probably tripled in size.
3: Over the next few days, the bumps only get worse.
9: They were probably bigger than a silver dollar. And at that point, they started breaking open. And just you know, oozing
4: plasma-like
9: fluid. Felt like something was just gnawing at me. Eating the skin out of my hands
3: over the last two weeks Mark Ward has been battling painful bumps that have broken out on his arms and legs
4: I was thinking this is bad this is really bad this could very well be done
3: Mark decides to seek immediate medical attention
4: For Mark to concede that he needs to go get help from somebody is really big.
3: Janina rushes Mark to the nearest hospital that handles emergencies. But when they arrive, the couple is appalled.
4: Kind of looked like a prison from the outside.
3: Wasn't very clean. Looked like
9: half the buildings were falling down.
4: So we went into the doctor, he looked at him, and he said, well, this is bolus impetigo.
3: Bullis impetigo is a highly contagious skin infection triggered by the staph bacteria. As the infection spreads, it produces painful blisters and fluid filled cysts.
9: When they told me what it was, I was relieved.
3: Finally, I can get this cleared up. To treat the infection, the local doctor admits Mark to the hospital and places him on a broad spectrum of antibiotics. Then, to ensure the wounds heal, he carries out a painful extra step.
9: They laid me down on a table to clean the wounds. And they scrubbed them. Basically just peeling my skin off. I mean, that was the worst thing
3: I'd ever gone through. I thought I was going to die in there. Over the next three days, Mark endures the painful treatment. But it appears to only be making the bumps worse.
4: Whatever they were doing wasn't making it better. I knew that if I didn't get him out of there and he stayed there, he was just gonna waste away.
3: Against the local doctor's advice, after a three-day stay, Janina checks Mark out of the hospital and they catch the first plane back to the United States. When they land in Arizona, Janina immediately rushes her husband to the ER. Over the next several days, doctors analyze samples of Mark's skin and blood.
4: They took pictures. You see them talking to one another. They were bewildered. They didn't know. Why can't the doctors figure this out with all their training?
3: Eventually, Mark is examined by a medical team, including Dr. Sean Reeder, who suspects that something is alive in his skin.
7: Mark had large centrally ulcerating crusted lesions, showing he had an infection, which was likely parasitic.
3: The team consults a parasitic expert who confirms their theory. Mark was diagnosed with cutaneous leishmaniasis. Cutaneous Leishmaniasis is caused by the flesh-eating parasite Leishmania. Inside Mark's body, the parasite attacks his immune system, feeding off the cells and reproducing inside them. As the parasites multiply, the infection spreads, leading to Mark's fatigue and weight loss. They also devastate the surrounding tissue, producing painful ulcers on his skin.
9: It's spooky to know that you have something in you.
4: I had no idea something so small that we couldn't see could cause that much damage.
6: The surface of the Leishmania parasite is covered in a layer of molecules that have a special purpose. When the parasite enters a body, the host's immune system tries to attack, but thanks to its special coating, The Leishmania parasite tricks the host into thinking it's not a threat, and that allows the parasite to spread.
3: But the doctors have more bad news for Mark. His infection has progressed too far for any medication to take effect.
4: I thought I was going to lose my husband.
3: For weeks, Mark Ward has been suffering from a painful skin condition known as cutaneous leishmaniasis. And doctors explain that it is now too late to treat with medication.
9: To hear that there's not a cure for it, what are you supposed to do? How are you supposed to get
3: rid of it? They tell Mark that his body must now fight off the parasite on its own. But even as he tries to heal, the infection could spread beyond his skin. The parasite can travel through the bloodstream, and it can attack the internal organs. All Mark can do is keep his bumps clean by sterilizing them each day. If the disease did recur, this can lead to death. Mark is sent home, where he and Janina closely monitor the bumps.
4: It was definitely a constant fear that this can go south real quick.
3: Finally, after a few excruciating weeks, something remarkable happens.
9: I woke up one morning and uh, the swelling had gone down.
4: The sores weren't growing anymore.
3: But as Mark begins to heal, he's left to wonder how he contracted the disease.
6: The life cycle of the Leishmania parasite is dependent on one creature the sandfly. These tiny insects are about a third the size of a mosquito, and they're found in many tropical and subtropical countries around the world. When an infected sandfly bites a human, it injects the parasite under the skin, where it feeds on the host's immune cells, and grows.
3: Mark believes he contracted the infection while doing some yard work in Belize.
9: I was out there in
3: shorts, and
9: I think... I got bit by the sand fleas when I was mowing the yard. After that,
3: that I noticed the bites. Today, Mark still bears the scars from his harrowing ordeal, but he's made a full recovery and has regained his strength. He and Janina even continue to spend time abroad. I never stopped going to police.
4: There's there's no way um, Mark would give up traveling and being outside, and me either.
6: The Leishmania parasite infects an estimated 1.5 million people around the world each year. Promising vaccines are being developed, but right now there are no drugs to prevent infection. To avoid sand fly bites, travelers to endemic regions are advised to cover bare skin, use mosquito nets, and apply a deep-based insect repellent. But while some monsters
3: disfigure our skin, Others wreak havoc deep inside our bodies.
5: I knew something bad was going on inside her. That was my worst nightmare.
3: Lincoln, Nebraska is situated in the heart of the Great Plains. It is the perfect home for Susan and Darren Stortsum, who have shared a love of horses from the very beginning.
5: We
7: met at the
9: horse races at Columbus, Nebraska in 1989.
5: His outside exterior was really gruff and rough. Inside, he is just a big softie, so that's really what what drew me to him. The
3: couple's passion for horses is shared by their two children, 16-year-old Dustin and 14-year-old Katie.
1: It feels like you're on top of the world when you ride a horse. They've always been part of my life.
3: Darren looks after horses at a local racetrack. Susan is focused on her work as a nurse and taking care of their family.
5: Being a nurse has helped me be a mom. I don't run my kids to the doctor if they have a small fever or a little cut. I always wait because I do know how to treat it.
3: Susan believes she can handle anything. But something is about to push her family to its breaking point. It's a Wednesday afternoon, and Katie is working at her after-school job at a local cafe. Halfway through her shift, she is struck by an odd sensation.
1: I was taking drinks to a table and I felt something on the back of my neck. It was a hard bump.
5: I didn't think anything of it.
3: But when Susan picks her up that evening, Katie asks her mom to examine the bump.
5: It really looked like an ingrown hair. I said, let's put, you know, a a warm compress on it. Sometimes it'll pop on its own. I love having a mom who's a nurse. I wasn't worried
1: at all.
3: Over the next few days, Susan regularly applies a warm washcloth to the back of Katie's neck. At first it helps. But then, one night, Susan wakes to the sound of Katie crying in pain.
5: She said it was like hurting down in her neck. As a nurse again, I need to know details on everything, so tell me your pain. You know, Yes, stabbing, sharp, shooting. And she would say, all of the above. I was starting to get worried. I wondered, what is wrong with my daughter?
3: Susan feels it's time for Katie to see the family physician, and the next day takes her in.
5: The doctor looked at her neck and thought that she had swollen lymph nodes.
3: The lymph nodes are special glands that trap bacteria and other infections that are traveling through the body. When they swell, it's a sign that the body is fighting an illness. Katie's doctor runs blood tests to isolate the cause.
5: But they all come back negative. The doctor put her on antibiotics she thought that would help reduce the lymph nodes. I was hoping
1: that the medicine would work. I thought maybe in a couple days I would feel better.
3: But Katie is left disappointed. A few days later, while singing in music class, she's hit by a new sensation.
1: I was kind of getting dizzy. It felt like the room was spinning.
3: For several days, Katie Stortzum has had swollen lymph nodes and pain in her neck. And now, she's suddenly overwhelmed by dizziness.
1: I was nervous that I was going to fall off the chair. Since this is the last class of the day, I just thought I'd wait till the end of the day to
5: go home.
3: When Susan learns about Katie's dizzy spell, she takes her back to the doctor.
5: They drew more blood. And again, the test results come back fine.
3: With no obvious signs of an infection, the doctor suspects Katie's symptoms could be caused by something else.
5: The doctor said, okay, is, you know, what stresses are you under? Are you under stress at school? The doctor thought that maybe it was somewhat psychosomatic.
3: And Katie's mom thinks the doctor may be right.
1: The doctor couldn't find anything wrong with me and my mom sided with the doctor. That made me feel mad because I knew I wasn't under a lot of pressure at the time. And I knew that there was something wrong with me.
3: A few days later, Katie is getting ready for school when she sees a mark that wasn't there before.
1: I saw a bump on the side of my neck.
3: At this moment, Katie makes a decision that she will come to regret.
1: I felt upset that my mom didn't believe me and the doctor didn't believe me. I decided I wasn't gonna tell anyone anything anymore.
3: Katie continues to experience bouts of dizziness and stabbing pains in her neck. But she suffers in silence. Then, three weeks after her symptoms began, she is selected to compete in an important track meet.
9: She got off the starting blocks good. looked like she might win the race. I was yelling for her and cheering her on
1: all of a sudden I started feeling dizzy and my legs got weak and then everything went black
9: she just wiped out fell face first and to the ground I'd never seen her just fall like that before running and
8: something had to be going on
3: Darren helps Katie off the track and takes her home. Later that night, Susan arrives back to the house and finds Katie so weak and tired that she can barely move.
5: <laughs> I'm, I'm like getting emotional right now thinking about. it. Um, when I heard that she had collapsed, and I knew, like she was really sick. Like I knew, as a mom, as a nurse, I knew. Something bad was going on inside her. At that point, I knew I did come clean. She's like, Mom, I'm just, I'm so sick and I hurt so bad. The doctor said I was okay, And you just didn't listen to me. (sighs) I, uh, guilt. I mean, the the, the thing that was going through my head was guilt. I felt so guilty. Why didn't I look beyond those lab results? Why didn't I push further? As a nurse, you listen to your doctors. As a mom, I should have listened to my daughter.
3: Susan and Darren take Katie to the nearest hospital, where she is seen by a team of doctors, including Dr. Purva Gumaste.
8: When I
5: saw Katie, she had swollen painful lymph nodes behind the back of her head. Katie was really sick.
3: The doctors order specialized blood tests and a biopsy of Katie's lymph nodes.
5: Anytime you have swollen, tender lymph nodes, it's mainly caused by either a bacterial, viral or fungal infection. And you do a blood test and do a biopsy of the lymph node to find out the cause of the disease.
3: But while they wait for the results, Katie's condition deteriorates rapidly.
5: So Katie was in the hospital bed. She was hooked up to an IV. She just laid there because she was in so much pain. You know, when you look at her and she was just laying there lifeless, I just wanted to scream at every doctor to say, Come in here, find out what's wrong with my daughter, help me, like help her.
3: For over three weeks, 14 year old Katie Stortsum has been suffering from a mysterious illness that started with a pain in her neck and soon became much worse. Now, finally, a biopsy of Katie's swollen lymph glands provides some answers.
5: The test showed the rare bacterial infection called rabbit fever.
3: Rabbit fever is caused by the bacterium Francisella tularensis. Inside Katie's body, the bacteria hijack her white blood cells, invading the immune system and spreading throughout her bloodstream. This triggered Katie's swollen lymph nodes extreme dizziness and pain.
5: I had heard of rabbit fever. I knew how serious it was. That's when the fear and the panic set in.
6: I was very scared for Katie. Rabbit fever is extremely rare. Only around 200 cases are reported each year in the United States. But in severe cases, without treatment, over half of those infected with rabbit fever will die. Dr.
3: Gumaste puts Katie on a morphine drip to help with the pain, and starts her on a course of antibiotics. For weeks, Katie battles the deadly disease while her family holds vigil at her bedside.
5: I could never imagine my life without her. You know, and I kept thinking if I would have lost her, it was my fault. Why didn't I believe her? As a mom, it is the worst feeling in the world. Um, it was it was horrible it was my worst nightmare I just sat there and I could not help her
3: finally over a month after her symptoms began Katie's family sees a glimmer of hope
5: all of a sudden Katie looked at me she said her pain started to go away my mom was very excited she started crying I was beside myself with joy.
9: She just pepped up and she's starting to
3: act like her old self. Felt really good.
6: But how did Katie get such a rare disease in the first place? The bacteria that cause rabbit fever, Francisella tularensis, are most commonly found in small mammals like rabbits. In humans, the disease can be triggered by direct contact with an infected animal or passed on by a tick that is fed on one.
5: Katie came inside one day. She was always around her animals and she had a tick. Her dad pulled it off. We thought she was fine. Two weeks later is when she developed her first symptom.
3: Today, Katie is still suffering side effects from her brush with rabbit fever.
5: Um, She still has lymph nodes that are enlarged. She is still in pain. We thought she would recover 100% and be completely normal and, and that's just not been the case.
1: I'm able to ride my horses, but I have to ride slow. It's hard to not do the things that I used to love, but I'm grateful for all my parents' help and support. That meant a lot to me. I think it brought my family closer.
6: To prevent tick-borne illnesses, the CDC recommends using DEET-based insect repellent. If a person does come in contact with a tick, they should immediately remove it with tweezers, and if symptoms develop, seek medical attention.